If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Psalm 33 and uh, start getting ready to kick off our holiday season this year. The title of the message today is, Are We Becoming an Ungrateful Nation? And um, we want to talk a little bit about that and try to give you some things to help encourage people to look to God. I think one reason why maybe America is becoming ungrateful is because of the distance between Americans and God. Don't you think that could be some of that? That we've lost that relationship as a nation, as a people, and um, we don't know how to deal with life apart from God sometimes. It's overwhelming. And so we try to do it all in our own strength. And so we, how can you be grateful to God if you're not in that relationship where you're dependent upon God, where you're receiving God's blessings? and God's guidance and direction. Let's just take a moment and just bow in prayer together as we get ready to worship in the Word. Father, this morning, as we uh, come before you, we want to acknowledge, first of all, that we are very grateful to you for all the things you've done for us, every blessing, every day that you give us to live is a blessing. Everything you've given us, everything that we have, Father, is really truly from you. Uh, Even our new birth is from you through Jesus Christ, and we thank you for him being our Savior and Lord. And I pray that everyone here today, Father, if there's anybody here who doesn't know you or doesn't have that relationship with you, I pray, Father, today that you'll be able to plant some seeds in their heart and their mind, that draw them to you, that you'll use me and you'll use this congregation, Lord, to draw people uh, to yourself, to your Son. And, Lord, um, help us to always remember to be thankful for all that we have. Lord, no matter what goes on in life, that we should always be turning to you. So thank you for allowing me to preach your word. Uh, I get to talk about your word, Lord. Um, That's a great blessing to me. Thank you for the songs that we've just sung to remind us, Lord, of how good and great you really are. Thank you for every person that's here today. I pray that you speak through me, through your scriptures, and through your spirit for their good and your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're officially in the holiday season. Did you know that? How How do you think I know that? That's right. Walmart. Exactly. Walmart. Walmart told me so. Go look. Go to Walmart later on this afternoon. You'll see there's Christmas stuff all over Walmart. And um, that's not a bad thing necessarily, but it's, man, it's really early, isn't it? I mean, we have, haven't had Thanksgiving yet. And by the way, Walmart can tell you a lot about not just our culture, but about American holidays, how Americans think about holidays and what we think about uh, what's going on. As a people, I think Americans are incredibly blessed. I think we are incredibly blessed as a people. We are a very well-off nation, even though at times we might not think so. We do have the best health care in the world. If the government will just leave its hands off of it and leave things alone, we'll be okay. America is doing far better economically than we have for a very long time. According to the Pew Research, uh, they did a research study on unemployment. The unemployment rate today is about 3.9%. This is not from the Congress. This is not from the government anyway. It's their own uh, research, and they found we're about 4% unemployment, which is pretty incredible. The working poor in America today have seen their incomes increase by more than 50%, which is the best increase they've seen as a group since 1979. In 1979, the upper middle class in America was 13, 13%. of the population. Today, the upper middle class is 30%. So things are doing better. 
When it comes to our standard of living, Americans are way ahead of the rest of the world. Way ahead of the rest of the world. By the global standard, 56% of Americans are in a high-income ratio compared to the rest of the world. And only 2% of Americans are considered to be poor. That's pretty incredible. Yeah. Products like electronics and appliances are cheaper than ever before. The humanprogress.org found a, did a research. They found since 1979, the amount of time spent working to, to earn money to buy a refrigerator dropped by 50, 52%, meaning the cost of the refrigerator dropped by 52%. 95% for a microwave. Microwaves are dirt cheap anymore if you go to Walmart or well, Sears isn't around anymore, is it? 61% for a dishwasher. That's pretty incredible. And according to the Heritage Foundation, from the mid-1960s, Americans have gradually worked less and less to make a living. We've reduced our work hours less and less. We still work 40 hours a week or more, but we've reduced work hours. And women who work the same jobs as men for the same number of hours, have the same number of or same uh, work history, have the same educational level, make the same money as men do. So when all things are equal amongst men and women in the workplace, it is equal. The primary, the primary obstacle to upward mobility in America today is not racial or gender dis discrimination, but personal decision-making. A study from Brookings Institute found 75% of the people who finish high school, who finish high school, get a full-time job, wait till uh, over the age of 21 to get married and have kids, join the middle class. 75%, three out of four people who, who graduate high school, which tells us how important a high school education is, right? Yeah, it is. Very important. But then if they get a full-time job and they wait till they're over 21 to get married and have kids, they enter the middle class. Only 2% of that group remains in poverty. Wow. What about personal freedom? Have any, have anybody here been has anybody here been watching Hong Kong, watching what's going on in Hong Kong? The protests. The people of Hong Kong are up in protest because the Chinese government, which is communist, wants more authority and power over the people of Hong Kong, which by an agreement they can't have, but they want more of it, of course, being a government. But here in America, we're free to practice our religion the way we believe. Amen. Free to speak out. Free to associate, free to protest. We see it happen all the time. We are a great nation. We are a blessed nation. I think we're blessed more than we realize. Unfortunately, it seems the more we, as Americans, get, the more we want. Isn't that true? It seems like the more Americans get, the more we want. And the more we want, the more we seem to drift away from God. And that's a shame. So as we kick off the holiday season, let's see what the Bible says about being blessed. If you have your outlines ready, the nation who follows God will be blessed. The nation who follows God will be blessed. Amen to that. Psalm 33, verse 12. Look at it. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. From heaven, the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place, he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all who considers everything. They do. From heaven above, God looks down on earth and he sees everything. David, King David, the king of Israel, acknowledged that God is the creator and he looks down from heaven and he sees you and I, all of us, everywhere. He sees us. He's watching us right now as we worship. 
as we're in the Word and, he, and we're worshiping in the Word, God's watching. He, David wrote this psalm about the nation of Israel. But not all the Israelites were godly people. Most of them, matter of fact, weren't godly people. Not all Americans are Christians. Matter of fact, most Americans are not Christians. They don't claim to be Christians. According to the American Religious Data Research Center, about 25 to 30 percent of Americans claim to be Christians. Only 25 to 30 percent of Americans claim to be Christians. That means 75 to 80 percent of Americans claim claim not to be don't claim Christianity as their religion. And most of them don't claim any religion whatsoever at all. So what did David mean when he wrote here in verse 12, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord? How can America be blessed if, if, if most people in America aren't Christian? Well, David was referring to the people who follow God. That's who he's talking about. The people who really do follow God. They represent the nation before God. Think about that. You and I represent our people, our nation, before God every Sunday. Here in America, the people who represent God for America is the church. There's only one God. Now, you can believe in any other kind of God you want to believe in, but there's only one God. He's described in detail in the Bible. He's, told, he's called out to be the creator of the world. He made the nations. And there's only one God. So you and I represent our country before God. Think about what God has done in your life. Think about, just for a moment, think about what God has done in your personal life. Remind yourself how blessed you are. Take your eyes off your wants or needs or whatever, but think about what God has done for you. Remember, as the church, you represent America before God. You can ask God to intervene in the life of our nation. We can. We really can do this. You can intercede for your family members, friends, co-workers, neighbors, all of it with God. Go to God with them. Matter of fact, that's one of the greatest things you and I can do is pray for our friends, family, neighbors, co-workers, all the people that we know who don't know God. We should be praying for them, interceding for them. Intercessory prayer is a powerful tool, and the church is not, not buying into that for some reason. You can ask God to bless them as he's blessed you, and you should. And the Bible tells us that God will act on their behalf when his people ask for his help. Remember that. God will act for us when we ask Him for help. And don't ever think that God doesn't see people who are struggling in life. Even though many of them think that maybe God doesn't exist or that He's ignoring them or He has forgotten them. Because He hasn't. He hasn't forgotten them. Look at verse 13. From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From His dwelling place He watches all who live on earth. He's watching. He's looking. He's seeing. Now we might ask, if God knows how much people struggle in life, why doesn't he do something to help them? Well, maybe he has. And we just don't know it. Maybe he has helped people, and, and, he, and we don't see that because we're not in a relationship with them. Maybe he's using their struggles to get their attention. He does that. He lets people go through a wilderness, through a desert, to get their attention. Sometimes he also lets the people suffer the consequences of their decisions. This is a hard lesson, but sometimes this is what people need. In Psalm 10, verse 4, David said, In his pride, the wicked does not see God. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. Are you making room for God in your life? Are you making room for God when you think, when you pray, when you make decisions about life, when you're faced 
with decisions you really don't in the moment know how to answer? Are you making room for God? I believe God wants to bless you if you'll do that. And I believe God wants to bless America. But her people have to follow God. And you and I have to follow God. Psalm 14, verse 2 says, The Lord looks down from heaven on the sons of men to see if there is anyone who understands, anyone who seeks God. God is looking for a response from us. He's looking for us to seek Him. That's what He's wanting us to do. I believe God wants to bless America, but America has to begin to follow God. And the nation that follows God will be blessed by God. And number two, the people who seek God will be blessed by God. If we'll seek Him, He'll bless us. Look at Psalm 34, verse 8 and 9. Look at this one, Psalm 34, verse 8 and 9. Look at it. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. Fear the Lord, you as saints, for those who fear Him lack nothing. Let me ask you, does that sound good? Boy, those verses sound awesome, don't they? The church's greatest message is that God wants to do something in people's lives. And that's what I think people need to hear today. If they will simply seek Him, God will do something in their life. Look what he wrote in verse 8. Taste and see the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. You know what taste means? Do you know what it, just taking a taste means? Experience, see if you like it. But what does it mean to take a taste? It means to sample something, right? Anybody go to Sam's? They do it at Walmart now too, don't they? The little samples, we all love those things. We go around and we find every little station that's open so we can try the cracker or the tuna or the little drinks and all that. It's fun, right? I mean, I like doing that. Siliana likes to do that, I see. Yeah, she was grinning. I like to do that. But you're just getting a taste of that. Oh, that's not so good. Yeah, this is good. So it just means to sample some, try some, see if you like it. Somehow we've got to help people give God a chance to work in their lives. It's going to take all of us to do this. It's going to take lots of us to do this. We've got to help people give, give God a chance. People need help doing this. I think we can do this, but we have to be more transparent about our own relationship with God. Not boastful or bragging or show-offy. But we've got to be willing to show others how our faith in God works. That's just the way it is. I think if people see God working in our lives, responding to our needs, they'll begin to seek Him for themselves. And then they'll have the opportunity to taste and see how good God really is. <clears throat> What's that old saying? God is good all the time. Do you really believe that? Do you believe that? Yeah. So if you believe that for yourself, don't you want that for others as well? Sure, I know you do. Look at verse 9. Fear the Lord, you as saints, for those who fear Him lack nothing. We have to show that God is our employer. He is our banker. He is our doctor. He is our Savior. He's our salvation in practical ways as well as spiritual matters. People who don't have a relationship with God don't see the need for God in their daily life. You know, people don't understand the practicality of knowing God for daily needs. How can we expect them to see God in spiritual matters? You see what I'm getting at? They need people today want practicality. Well, God is the God of practicality and also a God of miracles. So we have to start with that somewhere, and we have to 
encourage people. So if they don't understand the spiritual need, how are they going to, or the practical need of God, how are they ever going to get the spiritual need? So that's why David, if you read Psalms, that's why David wrote so many Psalms, pointing people to God, telling people, hey, trust God for your daily needs as well as for your spiritual needs. It's the relationship. In Psalm 69, verse 32 and 33, David wrote this, the poor will see and be glad, see God working in their life. You who seek God, may your hearts live. The Lord hears the needy. The Lord hears the needy. And that's where the miracle comes in. That's where the miraculous begins to happen. I think we have to urge people to seek God. I think we just have to urge them. We have to pray for them, but we have to also urge them. We have to repeatedly say to people, you will be blessed if you trust God. You will be blessed if you trust God. We have to say that to them over and over and over and over. We live in a world today where people's attention span is less than a minute. And they're off to thinking and doing other things. I think it's one reason why some people have a hard time holding jobs. Because they can't get themselves to focus for eight hours on doing something that they have to do. We are so now prone, so um, inoculated towards uh, moving on, going faster, faster, faster in our thinking. And we can't slow down. So we have to urge people repeatedly over and over and over. See God, see God, see God. You will be blessed if you trust God. Look at Psalm 32, verse 1 and 2. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him and whose spirit is no deceit. This is where the blessing of God becomes personal. And this has to be personal. You don't have to follow God, right? You don't have to follow God. You don't have to see God. You don't have to trust God. But if you truly want your best life ever, the best life possible for yourself and your family, if you want the best life possible, you have to trust God. The only way to get your best life is from God. It's the only way is by having a saving relationship with him. Look again at verse 1. Look at verse 1 again. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. The greatest blessing anyone can ever receive from God is his forgiveness. Because it's reconciliation, it's restoration, it's healing. And that's why Jesus left heaven. He didn't come here to make us rich or powerful or popular. He came to this world so we could be forgiven. And he died doing it. And that was God's plan all along. That's why he died. That's why he rose up from the grave. That's so that our transgressions, our sins could be forgiven. Trusting God and having a relationship with him will give us all the blessings that we're ever going to need or desire. Because everything good will come from him. James tells us every good and perfect gift comes down from Above from the Father of heavenly lights. Everything good and perfect comes to us from God. We just need to acknowledge it that way. Write this down. I didn't put this in the outline, but write it down. God takes care of our spiritual needs first. God, God takes care of our spiritual needs first before He meets our material needs. God does both, but He does it in order. He wants to take care of our spiritual needs first. He wants to deal with that and get that out of the way. Because then we're in that relationship. If he deals with our spiritual need, which is forgiveness, 
He deals with that first, then everything else will flow and we'll have what we need and we'll be blessed. Now look again Psalm 32, verse 2 again. It says, Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him and whose spirit is no deceit. David was so overwhelmed by God's grace, by God's forgiveness, he wrote, rewrote verse 1 into verse 2. He just rewrote it. He just turned it around and said it a little different way. You know, something is important when a person repeats it, right? When people repeat things, they're saying to you, this is important, I want you to hear it. This is important, I want you to hear it. David emphasized here, our greatest need is for God to forgive us. That's our greatest need. I'm amazed by so many uh, preachers today. Their message is almost always about things. They turn God into a perpetual Santa Claus. As if He's going to show up at our door with a bunch of gifts. And Jesus is turned into a servant, bringing to us whatever we ask for. All we got to do is just hit a bell, a spiritual bell, and Jesus brings us whatever we want, whatever we desire. And that's so wrong. It's not God. God is not Santa Claus. Jesus is not a servant. Not in that sense. He's already done his service. He died for us. I don't know about you, but I always seem to have enough. I mean, I'm not rich. I'm not a millionaire. When things go bad, like a car repair, it gets paid. It might take me a little while. It might take me a couple of payments, but I get it done. Or a health issue comes in. God takes care of me. It always seems to work out. Since becoming a Christian, my personal life has improved and improved more and more on a regular basis. Guess what, folks? I'm forgiven, I'm forgiven, I'm forgiven. Amen. I'm constantly forgiven because I'm constantly, well, not constantly messing up, but I make enough mistakes that I, God forgives me on a regular basis. And by the way, forgiveness is the most important thing to me. Living my life without God, I realized I, when I came to salvation, I realized forgiveness is the most important thing I could ever get from God. I want my sins covered, and they are by the blood of the Lamb. They're covered. If that's all I ever got out of, out, of, out of life with God, that'd be enough, right? Wouldn't it? Yeah, that'd be the greatest thing because I got heaven waiting on me. So I don't want my sins counted against me, and they're not. Jesus is taking care of that. It's resolved. I'm blessed. And I want all that and more for other people around me. You see, it doesn't matter where you come from or what you've done. What matters is have you asked Jesus, have you asked God to forgive you? That's what's most important. So I want to say today to you what David said in Psalm 62, verse 8. He said, I trust in him. He says, trust in him at all times. Trust in God at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. So I say that today to anybody here that doesn't know God personally. Trust in him. Pour out your heart to him. He's our refuge. He, he can be yours as well. Our invitation song today is I've decided to follow Jesus. Have you made that decision for yourself? If you haven't made that decision, you can today, and I'd be glad to help you. Let's stand and pray as we get ready to sing. Father, thank you for the blessing of forgiveness. Thank you, Father.